Wow, that was awesome. Praise God. That was so good, so good. And I really want to thank all of you for coming here physically and those of you online as well. We welcome you and for reason, uh, I'm sure valid reasons that you're not able to be with us. But I would encourage you to come back physically because nothing like being here physically. Am I right? Because the atmosphere is different, you know, so I'm, I'm very, very... So I, I, I won't forget this time, I'm supposed to share with you that we have a new website, okay? All right, a new website uh, is being uh, reframed, all right? So go and visit our new website, sipkl.org.my, and you'll find that there's new content there. It's more seeker-friendly, especially for upcoming events. You know? so, so you want to know what's upcoming events, we cannot show it too much on the screen, but uh, registration for any events that we have, especially community as well. Huh? So you find it, go to a new website and you find it, but pastor, I'm not techno-savvy. If I, a 77-year-old man is techno-savvy, you can be techno-savvy, amen? Okay, so please go in to our new website. Okay, so today I'm going to do an overview of First and Second Timothy. And we will do this every week, more or less, until the first or the beginning of December. I'm very excited about this, I'll tell you why. Because these two epistles are very relevant to us in SIBKL. Why? Because they were written in the latter half or latter part of Paul's life while he was in prison for a final time in Rome. And before long, he would be beheaded by Nero. So these are the last words of Apostle Paul, 60 over years old at that time, to young Timothy. I want to know what a man of God has to download to his mentee, young Timothy, at 30 years old. And so when we look at these two epistles, over the next few months, there's going to be a lot of wonderful, key, spiritual gems that we can take home. But I especially like it because it is so relevant to us at SIBKL at this stage of our history. Why? Because we are also transiting. So as Paul literally hands over the baton to Timothy. Next year, I also will be handing over. From July onwards, I will hand over to my wonderful group of young pastors who are also around 30 years old. Come on, let's give God a good clap offering for our young pastors. God has blessed SIBKL with a wonderful crop of young pastors who not only preach well, they, are, they lead well, they shepherd well, and, 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 and God has so blessed us. Don't take it for granted. Not every church has that kind of, 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 of history, but we have. So, so that's why I'm, it's so relevant to me as I hand over or transit deliberately, I use the word transit and not Retire. I am still around. <laughs> Whether you like it 
or you don't, Pastor Chu is still around. Alright? So what's the difference between transiting and retiring? This is it. When you transit, it's over a period of years. When you retire, like Whitney Houston sings, is one moment in time. <laughs> when we transit, it is handing over, but not hands off. When you retire, you hand over and bye-bye boss, I take over. No, it's not taking over, it's handing over. It's not hands off, because I'm still around. So what do I do? Not to control, but to contribute, to consult, to connect, and to coach. I need to make sure that they do things okay, to consult with them, to mentor them, to tutor them, to coach them, to guide them, to set them up to win. You know, you know I always say this, look, my ceiling is now your floor. You don't have to deconstruct the whole house. Lah. Build on what has been laid on, correct or not? So I'm here to help you to build on what has been laid for 29 years. So I'm still around. I'm still around. Okay, come on. If you agree with me, affirm me. Give God a clap offering. Amen. Whoa! So that's why these two epistles are so relevant because Paul is also handing over and therefore... Let's learn together how to transit well. What kind of letters is First and Second Timothy? Together with Titus, First, Second, and Timothy and Titus are what we call pastoral letters. Why? Because they contain, I told you, instructions from senior pastor Paul to young pastor Timothy, who is about 30 over years old, on how to pastor and manage the church, on, on how to lead. So in the two epistles, it contains what we call instructions on the appointment of elders and deacons, on warnings to young Timothy. Warning, Timothy, be careful, be careful. There are wolves. These are the people that you must be careful. Warnings to Timothy on the challenges that he will face and also telling Timothy, Timothy, use your spiritual gifts of an evangelist. Stir up the gifts that was in you, that was placed on you by the laying on of hands. And Timothy, do not let anyone despise your youth. Come on, Timothy, come on. And I want to say this in relation to SIBKL. We have a very good crop of young people. Whom, am I right? God has... No, I, okay, I, I'm going to do this in this service. I haven't done that in the two services. If you are 40 years and below, stand up. Come on. If you are 40 years and below in this service on the balcony as well, stand up, stand up, come. If you are 40 years and below, stand up. Look around you, look around you, look around you. Isn't we blessed? And those of you in the house as well, if you are 40 years, you stand up. Come on, those of us above 40, let's give God a clap offering for every one of them. Whoa. Thank you. 
Thank you. Please be seated. And just in case you think I've forgotten the older ones, if you're 40 years and above, stand up. <laughs> Whoa, come on, young people, cheer them. Cheer them. Whoa, come on. Come on, the balcony as well. Isn't it amazing? Thank you. Please be seated. You know, everywhere I go, whether it be in Hong Kong, Australia, Singapore, or other parts of Malaysia, people come and tell me, Pastor, you are a... You have a fantastic church. And I just came from Singapore attending this wonderful conference of young people called the Heart of God Conference in Singapore. It's a powerful young people's church. You know, uh, the average age of that church is about only 23 years old. Am I right? 4,000 strong, you know. So oh, we were so happy. Great, about 20, almost, don't know how many, 40 of us were there, I think. We went there and we saw, and, and I told my, my young pastors, learn from them how to build up the young generation. So we had a private time with the senior pastor, Pastor Howe and his dear wife, and, 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 and he was telling me, you know something, Pastor, my church is only strong two generations. 90 over percent of that church are young people. Nothing wrong with that. But he says, your church is a strong three-generational church. And I want to be like that. Come on, let's give God a good clap offering for SIBKL. We are a strong three-generational church. Many churches look at us and say, hey, so let, you have young, let no man despise your youth and you have your older ones, share your wisdom so that every generation in this church is strong, correct or not? Don't you want the church to be strong? Come on, once again, let's give what a good clap offering. Amen. So, so it is a pastoral letter because it is telling Timothy how to pastor the church. But it's also an apostolic letter. What does it mean? Paul writes in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the command of God. Whoa, I love this. It is not an apostle of Christ Jesus installed by man, installed by the board, no. It is installed by the command of God, our Saviour, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. In other words, Paul is trying to say, look, Timothy, when I write this letter to you, I am just the author, so the scribe. The author is actually God. I am an apostle. What is an apostle? Apostello means to commission, to send out with a mission, to set things in order. So Paul is saying clearly, Timothy, there are things in the Ephesus church, which you are pastoring now, that is not right. I now write to you on the command of God to help you set things right that are not. In other words, when I write you this letter, it carries with it authority. To have dominion, to equip, to dispatch one with the full backing and authority of the sender. Who is a sender? Not Paul. God. God. God sends this letter to Timothy through Paul. And that's why it is still relevant today. 
it is an apostolic letter to the churches of the world across time. It's relevant. But you say to me, Pastor, isn't every letter of Paul pastoral? True. Even, isn't every letter of Paul also apostolic? What's so special about these two letters? Well, my point is this. Yes, every letter is apostolic. Every letter is pastoral. But this letter is more pastoral because it contains a lot of content on how to lead, how to shepherd the flock. And just in case you tell me, Pastor, thank you very much, but I'm not a pastor. La. I'm not a leader. La. So what is there in these two epistles for me? I'm so glad you asked. Because this letter is also very personal. Warm. Intimate. Why? 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3. To Timothy, my true son in the faith. It is a letter from a spiritual father to his son. So when we study these two letters, we are getting a glimpse of the intimacy between a father and his son. Hey, how often do we do that? How often do we get that opportunity? So this why these letters contain so much lessons. Timothy, you do this, my son, several times in these two letters. My son, my son, my son is mentioned. So we get a glimpse of the father heart of Paul to his son and to his daughters. Intimate moments. You know, as I rewrite this letter and I prepare this sermon, I remember my own father. He belongs to the old school where his word is law. I tell you, uh, you better do. I tell you, uh, that kind of attitude. There's nothing wrong with that. But I remember three special occasions where he called me into the room and spoke to me intimately, one-on-one. -on -one. Not that he has never spoken to me before, but I remember why. Because those were special moments. When I had my straight A's and a public exam, he brought me in and says, well done, son, well done. When I got baptized, he called me and prayed for me. And just before he passed away, I was with him. And I remembered him saying to me, Son, I'm so proud that you are a pastor. That meant a lot to me. You know, to hear my father say that. Because all the time is study. Study, study. But before he passed away, he said, Son, I'm so proud. So intimate moments. But to me, one of the most important 
characteristic of this letter is very purposeful. Why? Why did Paul write two letters to Timothy? It's not about sweet nothings. You know, I don't know how many of you, like me, when I courted my wife, we actually write letters with our own handwriting. One, no? Nowadays, uh, email, text. That's where I got like, that kind of thing, right? We write letters, even though Pastor Dijo's handwriting was terrible, you know. <laughs> I couldn't read sometimes what she wrote. But does it matter? No, it doesn't matter. You take the letter, smell, 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 you know, I mean, that kind of thing. And every day, you know, I was working in Birmingham and she was working with a medical student in Edinburgh Medical School. So, so long distance. Lah. So every day I go to the post office, no letter, ayo. But got letter, oh no, you read. You know, nowadays you don't do that, right? How many of you had, had that kind of experience? You write letters when you're courting to your wife. So few. Uh. Come on, I ask you again. It don't mean, how many of you actually, when you are courting your spouse, wrote letters and by the by the mail? Can I raise a hand? Up in this balcony? Yeah, quite a number of you. You do that, right? You do that, right? So here, Paul writes on a parchment, Timothy, do this. Why? This is the purpose. To encourage, tell, exhort, instruct young Pastor Timothy to get the church in Ephesus right. Because there were things that are not right and not righteous there so that the church in Ephesus can be strong. Now, I want you to remember this. It's a kingdom principle that I will elaborate more next week when I share with you 1 Timothy chapter 1. And this is the title of that sermon. Long title. I'm not able to shorten it. What to do? <laughs> and a title I want to elaborate next week, not today. It's a kingdom principle that only when you and I do things right and are righteous before God, then only can we be strong. Think with me. Only when you are right, not look right, huh? talk right, huh? but actually you are right and righteous before God. Then only can God bless you. Think. What do you mean, Pastor? What are the things I need to put right? Come next week. <laughs> Who was Timothy? If Timothy is a recipient, surely, who is this young guy? 
So if we study First and Second Timothy, we have certain glimpses of who was, what kind of a young man was he. There are five things I learned about Timothy as we study First and Second Timothy. The first thing about Timothy is that he was first mentioned in Acts 16, verse 1 to verse 5. So I got it up there. I'm going to read it from my Bible. The first time that Timothy was ever mentioned was in Acts chapter 16, when he was only a young boy of 16 to 17 years old, you know. And so, look, I, 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 I spent one hour expositing these few verses in a program called the Timothy Program, where Pastor Lee Chu and I and Pastor Isaac takes for our leaders, okay? And we do that once a year. But let, let me read this. First timer, Paul ever met Timothy. He came to Derby and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived. So Timothy came from Lystra, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. So Paul wanted to take Timothy along on the journey, so he circumcised him. It's interesting, right? Circumcised him, you know. But wait a minute, I thought in Jewish tradition, you circumcise a baby when he was eight, years, eight days old, right? So what happened? Something is not right. Something wasn't right. How could it be a Jewish boy uh, was not circumcised and only circumcised at 16, 17 years old? Hey, do you know something? Circumcision uh, is very painful, you want to believe me. Not believe me, because I've never done it before. But, <laughs> but believe, not believe me. It is, it is very painful. Understand? It's very painful. Okay? So he circumcised him because of the Jews who live in that area for they all knew that his father was a Greek. That's the reason why. His father was a Greek. In other words, very unusual for a Jewess to marry a Gentile. So clearly the father objected. Ma. So reading between the lines, that's why Timothy was not circumcised. Because the father was a Greek. And I tell you, the implications are short while. So as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles that was in the preceding chapter in the council of Jerusalem, the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. And so the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew daily in numbers. So, so Timothy was witness to all of this that happened in the first missionary journey. 16, 17-year-old boy, do you think it's a privilege? Huh? To, to be a companion of Paul? Do you know how many young people are there at that time? And why was it that of all the 16, 17-year-old boy, maybe young adult, 30 years old, that Paul looked at Timothy, you come with me. Why? Because Paul saw something unique and different in this young man. There was potential. And the amazing thing was this, Paul doesn't know, did not know Timothy from Adam, no. How did Paul know? The people in Iconium and Lystra spoke well. And I look at my young people. They are awesome. 
Any time uh, you ask me to give you a testimony, I'll give you a wonderful testimony. Because you guys are so good. So something in Timothy struck the elders. And on the recommendation of, 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 of the elders, Timothy was, was privileged to, to journey with Paul. Wow, that's the first time we hear of Timothy. And now, 20 years later, Timothy has grown spiritually. And I told you the implication of the Greek father. You can imagine the dysfunction in the family spiritually. That's why he was not circumcised. But the amazing thing is this, in spite of all the tension in the family, Timothy grew up to be so committed, so much so that the elders and the people spoke well of him. Don't you think so? Now, I want to apply this. I, I understand that there are many of you here that comes as I speak from that kind of a background. You may be the only Christian in your family, you understand. And you're facing persecution. You're facing opposition. Even in your place of work, you're the only Christian. Like Timothy. I would encourage you. Stay strong, understand. No, Pastor Lee Chu came from that kind of background. She tells me that when she was studying in BBGS, you know, her, her mother was very unhappy, not so much her dad, I think her father, her mother, was so unhappy with the fact that she became a Christian because they were staunch Buddhists. So every time uh, they, 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 they service the altar and pray to the altar on big days, like Chinese New Year or something like that, they would put a chicken there, you know, and after chicken, after that they would eat. Master Dushu won't eat. So the mom said, you don't eat, go upstairs, no dinner for you. No dinner. This sort of persecution, many of you are going through. I want to encourage you, be strong. If God can strengthen Timothy in spite of this kind of situation in the home, God can strengthen you, understand? So be strong. The third thing about Timothy is that he was actually a very shy and very timid guy. How do I know? Because Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, right at the beginning of the second epistle, Paul told Timothy, Timothy, I want to tell you, uh, God has not given us... Read it with me. Can you read it with me? It's okay with you to read for me? Read me? Come on. Let's read together. Shall we do that? All right, I'm going to come on this side. All right, so read. Are you ready? Read loud. Huh? Are you ready? Those of you online as well, read loud. One, two, three. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. One more time. One, two, three. So Timothy, they say Timothy needs a lot of encouragement. Timothy, don't let any man despise your youth. Timothy, you are good enough. Timothy, don't be timid. Timothy, you know what I mean? Be, be strong. Be, be, you, God has given you a, a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. Don't let your mind play tricks on you. You are good enough, Timothy. Go on, Timothy, go on. I want to encourage you. Any one of you who have come from that kind of background as well, because your, your parents have spoken, I, uh, you, 
you're useless lah, you're not good enough lah, or, or your teachers have taken something against you, or even your boss, I want to encourage you today. Come on. God, you are made in the image of God. You rise up in your faith and, and come up with the full potential. Amen? Stir up the gift that's inside of you. Come on, let's give God a good clap offering. Will you do that with me? And, I, I, and I'm going to give the altar call in a short while after I finish. Any one of you who comes from that kind of a background, and, and you know that, you know that, by the laying on of hands, by somebody, somebody spoke to you, you know, you cursed her, and today you're still like that. I'm going to open the altar. That it is the will of God that you come forth and fulfill your prophetic destiny. That you come forth and ignite all the spiritual giftings God has given to you and be functional and fruitful in God's kingdom. You know, I could relate to this because when I was young, studying in VR, I was a very shy boy, very shy one. And, and, and they gave me a nickname. <laughs> I'll tell you, I wouldn't I would, I would, I would dramatize it. Okay? It's called litmus because I change color very fast. <laughs> but over the years, God has strengthened me, understand? Especially when I was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, can you imagine? I can never imagine me preaching to you all like that one, no? You, I can, I actually, in front of girls, I'm very shy. And I, and I became what? You know what I mean? So, so, so you know, God uh, has changed my entire life. If God can change this shy, timid boy to what I am today, God can do the same for you. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's give God a club offering. You don't need to be reserved and shy. You are good enough. You are made in the image of God. So you come out, ignite the potential God has given to us. And please, uh, if you are older folks, I spoke that in the second service, uh, because majority are old people, uh, don't retire. Retire. Meaning, R-E-T-Y-R-E. Don't R-E-T-I-R-E. Retreat your tire. <laughs> Man, as long as the Lord gives us one breath in my nostril, one ounce of energy in me, I will serve God. Not to please anybody, not because I'm so great, because it's the calling of God, understand? I owe no man any accountability. I only fear God. You do the same. Use your gifts. Whatever God has given to you to honour Him and build kingdom. So Timothy rose up to become a spiritual giant. He was very sickly. Not only was he timid, he was very Why? How do I know? That's what Paul says. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23, he says, Timothy, my son, stop drinking only water. Use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. So Timothy was a very sick child. I, I want to underline little wine. Huh? <laughs> it's medicinal. It's therapeutic, understand? 
So, he was a very sickly child. Probably, he's got gastritis, but why, why give wine for gastritis? It's stress-related. I think it's stress-related. He might even have an irritable bowel syndrome. I'm going beyond my boundaries. You know, but, but he was stressed. How not to be stressed, right? A young 30-year-old man, a pastoring Ephesus church, you know, one of the biggest church in Asia Minor. So he was probably stress-related. But the most important characteristic of Timothy, I find, in reading First and Second Timothy is this. He was loyal and he was faithful to the very end. And this is a characteristic that is lacking today. Why? People give up at the slightest obstacle. At the slightest disappointment, give up lah. You blame God, you blame the church, you blame pastor, you blame everybody under the sun, and you don't blame yourself. Disappointments will come. Reversals will come. Challenges will come. You give up, ah? but not Timothy. He was loyal to the very end. How do I know? Because in 2 Timothy, the first chapter, and we will go to that, Paul says this. Let me read this. I, I, I need to read this to share with you what Paul went through. He says it, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, or verse 15, you know that everyone in the promise of Asia has deserted me. Everybody has deserted me, including Phygelis and Hermogenes. Demas, he was with me, but now he has left me and gone back to the world. And Alexander, the coppersmith, he did me great harm. But you, Timothy, don't leave me, Timothy. I need you. When you come to visit me from Ephesus, Timothy, don't, don't, don't forget to bring the cloak that I left with carpers at Troas and my scrolls. I want to write, Timothy. I want to write. And Timothy went. Why? He was loyal. He was faithful to the very end. So can I encourage us to the same? Be faithful to the very end. Don't give up easily. Don't cave in. Finish well, my friend. Finish well. What's the key verse? For me, I read through First and Second Timothy and the Holy Spirit prompted me. He says, this is the key verse for me. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, 15, and possibly 16. Read with me. Can you read with me? So everybody online, on site, left to right, front to bottom, up to down, you read this loud and clear. Are you ready? Loud, huh? One, two, three. Although I hope to come to you soon. I'm writing you these instructions 
so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar. So Paul says, I wish I can come to you, Timothy. Even though he was in prison, you know. I wish, but just in case I am delayed. But he never made it, right, Paul? I tell you these instructions. That's why I write to you. To tell you, to tell the people how to conduct themselves, how to behave in a right and righteous way. How to be godly. Again and again, he tells Timothy, godliness with contentment is great gain. That's my key verse. And not only that, he says the church, God's household, meaning the kingdom, the church at large, which all of us belong to, is the church of the living God. We worship a God who is alive. And that church is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. I love it. I love this. Why? Because whatever we do, we have to speak the truth, walk the truth, live the truth. That's why I say, only when you are right and righteous can God bless you. You cannot be untruthful. Say whatever you want to say. It doesn't matter. Because the church, if you belong to the household of God, we must be the foundation and the pillar of the truth. You know, during my 29 years pastoring this church, do you not think I have been challenged? Do you not think that people come up here and say, Pastor, do this, do this, do this, against my principles? You not think I have been challenged? I strive. I don't say I succeed all the time. To stand for the truth without fear or favor of men. Come on, let's give God a clap offering. If you and you do the same. We learn, Isaac, from Singapore. Do the important, not the impressive. Correct or not? Do the important, not the impressive. What is important? The truth. Truthful to yourself. Truthful to God. And God will bless. Two times in my 29 years, I brought my pastors up and knelt before this pulpit. First time. 2006. And I looked at the date. Only this morning, it, re it reminded me it's June. This was the first service, Kuntat. Uh, anybody was here on that day, the first service? Anybody in the balcony? A few of you. Praise God. Only a few of you. That means we have grown now. Huh? You know, one of the first things I did when we opened this auditorium was got my pastors up and we knelt before the altar to pray. Why? So that everyone who speaks from this pulpit speaks from the truth. 
without any favor or fear of any man. Understand? 2006, we did that. And in 2014, we did it again. Maybe, Pastor, it's time for us to do it one more time. Amen. At the handing over, do what is important, not what is impressive, without fear or favor of man. Only fear God. Can I have the worship team on stage? I just run through this without comment. As we look at First and Second Timothy, we see five things that Paul told Timothy to do. Beginning from next week, have the right doctrine. Have the right doctrine, the right theology of God. That's why you have to come for our discipleship classes. Build yourself up in the most holy faith so that when winds of doctrine come, you're not swayed. You don't go young, go young. You're not deceived. Because in the last days, even the elect will be deceived. So very important, you need to ground ourselves in these 40 days of fast and prayer. Read the word of God. Confront the troublemakers. You don't be a troublemaker, I tell you, huh? You only trouble me, go to the next church down the road. <laughs> Communicate the truth. Construct good leadership structures and governance because everything rises on leadership. And contend for your faith, Timothy. Fight the good fight. And with this, I'll close. And you will hear more about it next week in 1 Timothy chapter 1. In the closing verses of that chapter, Paul exhorts Timothy, Timothy, my son, I told you, right? My son, I give you this instruction in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by following them, you may fight the good fight. Timothy, fight the good fight. Hold on to your faith with a good conscience not with a seared conscience. I'll talk more about it next week. Because life is a fight. The devil has only three agendas to kill, steal, and destroy you and your family and your business. Understand? So you don't give him any room. You come before God and do what is right and righteous so that God can back you up. But it's still a fight. The devil will try to trip you. But we have to fight. We know one of the most best books I've ever read, and I've read several books, only several books twice. Usually I read once and that's it. But several books I read, one of them is this. It is this day we fight. This day we fight. I can't remember the author now offhand. Maybe Kim will know. 
Frenchie Penny, that's right. Francis Frenchie Penny. This day we fight. It's a fantastic book. This day, as I became, we fight. You fight for your faith. You fight for your family. You fight for your business. You fight the right fight. Don't fight the wrong one. And you fight with the right attitude, with righteousness. Not your own righteousness, with the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. And God will back you up, understand? But nevertheless, this day we fight. So Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight. And 20 and, and many years, months later, Paul can say this at the close of his life because Paul walks his talk. He says, Timothy, you fight. Why? Because I have fought the good fight. I, I have fought the good fight, Timothy. At the close of my days, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness. You see, it's a crown of righteousness. Which the Lord, the righteous judge, the righteous judge. You do what is right and righteous before God. God will bless you. And He will award to me on that day, not only to me, but to all of you, all of us, who long for His appearing. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Oh, Ramanda kata da 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 shandai. Let's close your eyes and spend a moment of quietness before God where you do that as we come to the closing moments of this morning. Wherever you are, I'm very sure that something that I have said somewhere has struck home to you. Because the Word of God, the Bible says that the Word of God as it is delivered will never return void unto Him, not to me. Unto Him. But it will accomplish whatever purpose so that it's fulfilled. So even as the word of God and the seed is sown to your spirit man and your heart today, I want to believe that he has landed on good soil. That somewhere along the line, God has spoken to every one of you without fail, even to me, understand? And we respond to him. How? Three ways. Number one, if you want to rededicate your life back again to God because you've been far away from Him, I want you to come forward. You have been discouraged. You have been jaded. Something has happened in your work, in your family, in your business that has pulled you back. And the devil has spoken to you, you're not good enough. Yes, things will go wrong from bad to worse. No, no, no. These are lies of the evil one. Today, we want to break that mindset. Today, even as you come forward, I want to believe that God will give you, this we are in the 40 days of fast and prayer, understand? And in the 40 days of fast and prayer, I don't know about other churches, in this church, miracles happen. In this church, transformation happen. In this church, come on, let's give God a clap offering. Recovery. 
restoration take place, especially these 40 days. So I don't know what you're going through in your personal life, in your family, in your work. You just come. There will be a lot of people. I don't know how to minister to you. The second group of people I'm going to pray is for those of you who somehow are in your own journey. Somebody has spoken negativity in your life and you've held back. You have moved back. You can be very old, but somehow or other you come from another church. There's a lot of trauma, a lot of this division. But today, as you come to SIBKL, I want you to rise again. I want your faith to rise again. I want you to rise again so that your spiritual gift is not squandered. You are still useful in the kingdom of God. No matter how old, how young you are. You want to reignite again the spiritual stir up the gift that is in you that God has given to you by the laying on of your hands some of you have been calling for full-time ministry but today over the years somehow that calling has jaded but today the voice of God calls you one more time you come rededicate your life your family back to him again and stir up that gift things inside of you and any one of you with any illnesses you come especially of the intestinal tract, stomach or intestines. I just feel it's a very small, but you just come. I just believe that it's God's will that all of us were strong. Amen. So any of these three, you come forward even as we sing this song. We still have time. Can I encourage the ushers and the leaders to help me to make sure that everyone who comes out here will be ministered to. Would you help me to coordinate? And those of you out there, I want you maybe even close your eyes as we come to the closing moments of this morning. Connect with God. Will you connect with God? Whatever your situation is, I say in this church four things about God. Number one, God is good. God is good. There is no evil he wants good for you. He wants good for your family. He wants only good for your work and your business. He's good. Number two, God is in control. There's nothing that takes God by surprise. You may not see it now. God is in control of your situation. Understand? He knows. And the third thing is, he cares. He cares. He's not a cold, impersonal God that doesn't care. No. He is good. He is in control and He cares for you. And He knows what He's doing, understand? He knows what He's doing. So will you trust Him? Will you trust Him, my friend? Will you trust Him? So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes before we close. For you to internalize it connect with him even though you may not see the breakthrough now it will come i want to believe it will come it is 40 days as the church goes into fast and pray there will be numerous breakthroughs and healings and and recoveries and 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 reconciliations and name it whatever it is so will you do that i'm going to give a couple of minutes you connect with him wherever you are we'll do that please do it Oh, da 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 da
There's an awesome presence of God in the house, understand? I feel it on the stage. I know you feel it wherever you go. Tap into it. Tap into it. Reach out and touch God. All you need to do is to reach out. Reach out. written in 2nd Timothy is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God, you and I, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And this is what's going to happen in the coming weeks. As we look into the word, which is God-breathed, inspired, the whole purpose is to equip you, equip me in righteousness for every good work. So that you and I, when we go back to our homes, go back to our families and our place of work, we are agents of change. We are channels of blessing. God will use you in a mighty way. And so, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you. It's been an awesome, awesome weekend, you know. It's been an awesome weekend. And we pray that even when the music has ceased and the voice of the speaker has stopped, as we leave this place to go back to wherever we come from, may the Holy Spirit continue to speak so that the voice of God continue to speak and whisper in our ears to tutor us, to coach us, to guide us. And so I pray this for everybody here today that this coming week will be a wonderful week. That whatever we put our hands to will bring glory to your name. And you give us wisdom, Father. Give us wisdom. With all the challenges this week, whether it be your home or family or business or personal, we will be able to navigate through it and overcome and not be overcome, understand? And so God, I'm going to bless everybody here, every family represented here this morning. Bless our homes, bless our loved ones. Some of them are not here with you, wherever they are. God will bless them, understand? God will take care of your children. God will take care of your grandchildren. They will be well. You be faithful to God because as you take care of God's household, God will take care of your household. That's my experience. Understand? You bless the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Bless Him at all times. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you this day. May the Lord turn His face towards anyone who is May the Lord turn His countenance to every one of us and our loved ones. And always, Lord, yes, Lord, always, grant us your shalom, your shalom, God. 
we bless you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. God's people say aloud. Let's give God a good clap offering. God bless you. See you next week. First Timothy chapter one. God bless you.